everybody and welcome to the second episode of Light Space. Like I said in the previous episode, I have a special guest, which is my friend, Deji. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to let Deji, Deji introduce himself, but this episode is specifically about the black community and mental health. We're going to have a really open discussion about what we feel can be done to better the black community with mental health, the stigma, how there is, there's a lack of black forensic psychologists and lack of black forensic psychiatrist and yeah we're just gonna chop it up and talk so dead i know everyone knows my background from my first episode so i'm not gonna go back into me but <sighs> dead do you want to give everyone a little insight into your background what you do how you got into mental health etc etc um what do i let me start with the background to be honest um background grew up in london um Went to primary school, secondary <laughs> school, was a really naughty child. Um, then my mum sent me off to college in Essex because I was getting into too much trouble in the end. Um, and then I, when I went to college, I actually studied psychology and then I realised that I was like really, really good at it and I had like a, a proper interest to it, in it. Um, so then I knew like after a while, when I saw how good at it I was, I was thinking I need to kind of study this at uni. So then I went off to uni, Essex University, brap, brap. <laughs> Um, really? studied psychology again really really interested in it and continued proving that I was really good at it got my undergraduate degree and then like I think in third year that's when I kind of discovered like what mental health was and what mainly clinical psychology was yeah. to be honest um, and that's when I kind of knew that this is the kind of lane for me like it's more about helping people understanding the human mind um, and actually applying that to like real life with regards to health and stuff. What made you choose psychology and not psychiatry? I think psychiatry was too sciencey for oh, me. Okay. So like psychology is very very weird because it's like a science, but then it's not it's not sciencey. Like yeah. I hated biology, physics, and chemistry. I was okay at it, but I just didn't like it. It was yeah. too similar to like maths for me, too objective. Yeah. Where psychology is like a really kind it's of about subjective. The mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was never going to do psychiatry. Once I knew like psychiatry was basically psychology plus medicine, I was like, yeah, psychiatry is not really going to be for me. Um, and I think it's a bit too clinical as well. Psychiatry is too clinical, like too medical model stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, once I kind of settled on clinical psychology, then it was just about exploring the field. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do like third year of uni and maybe after the first year, first year outside of uni, because like clinical psychology is like a very, very like diversive world. Like. Yeah. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just thought to myself, let me explore the different branches. So then I went to go work in um, an assessment center. It's like a 32 bed hostel um, for a charity called Look Ahead. Um, and we were just doing assessments. We were basically mental health workers for people that had like a vast range of mental health needs, like proper complex, like psychosis, um, a lot of substance misuse. Yeah. Um, practically everybody was homeless. Um, so just like a lot of, lot of complex stuff. And it was really like a trial by fire. But it was like a really good induction into like adult men mental health. And then I kind of realized through that that I got on better with the younger people. Like I didn't really know how to kind of build a therapeutic relationship with like an older, older, older white male that's yeah. got like three times as much life experience as me. <laughs> and I was getting better like success, better outcomes with like the younger cases. So then it's like I wanted to go like really, really young. Um, I went to get my master's because then I was told that, listen, you have to have a master's in this field. Everybody's got a psychology degree. Well, not a master's, but get like a postgraduate degree. So you have to, so say if you're doing psychology undergrad, you have to do a postgrad, basically. You don't have to, like it's not mandatory, but I would strongly advise it to everyone. Everybody that I kind of mentor, I say you have to do it. Not a master's, but a postgraduate okay. something because in the field, like especially if you're trying to get onto things that are really competitive, like the clinical psychology doctorate, Yeah, you're hardly going to find somebody that's got like just, just a psychology degree. Yeah, okay. like it's like they're going to have some sort of degree. It might be a diploma. It might be some like professional training, but don't just get a, a degree and just like rest on that. Um, so yeah, I, I, w I went off to do clinical psychology, the master's. Um, again, my master's is quite generic in regards to like most postgraduate degrees in the field, just because I still didn't know 100% what I wanted to do. So I wanted to keep it quite generic, not as generic as just going back and studying a psychology master's, but I just did clinical psychology, which kind of has allowed me to kind of dibble, dibble and dabble into different fields. And I'll get to that later with regards to like forensic psychology. 
So I did my master's in clinical psychology. And while I was doing that, I was working in a school. Again, like the next branch, I had adult mental health under my belt, experienced it for a year, didn't really like it. So then I wanted to go all the way young. So while I was studying my master's, I did, um, I was like a mental health worker in a school. Okay. Um, practically doing the same thing. Well, a bit more intense, but mental health assessments and interventions on like people in primary school, secondary school. Oh, wow. So quite young then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I did a pro as well. So like I was working for a, a charity that allowed you to do different terms in different schools. So like okay. they were contracted to different schools. So I think I did like a year in a primary a year in a secondary, a year in a, in a school that was a primary and secondary, um, a few months in a pro. So again, it's like I'm trying to experience everything yeah. to know like what I'm good at and what I'm going to enjoy. So then I do that um, while I'm doing my master's, complete my master's after a year. Um, and then I work in the school. I was enjoying the school life so much. Like it was so good. Um, so I'm working in the school for like about three years. And then because I'm enjoying it too much, I got really, really good at the job. <laughs> Um, don't say don't just sell yourself dead just sell yeah, yourself I, I, got, <laughs> I got really really good at the job and then it's like I kind of gauged that I was getting too comfortable and I was yeah. like I still want to get some like experience of the field and the last the last real place I haven't got any experience is like the forensic yeah forensic world so like uh, criminal offending behavior and like the criminal justice system so then I found the role that I'm currently doing now um, and I just applied for it got it and then, yeah, I've been doing this, like the Forensic Mental Health Practitioner Post, which is essentially forensic psychology, uh, mental health assessments, interventions, consultations, referrals, the whole shebang <laughs> on people coming in and out of the criminal justice system. So that prison, forensic hospitals, yeah, community, yeah. I'm assuming as well. Yeah, yeah. Prisons, okay. courtrooms, police station, stations, probation mainly. Okay. Um, we've kind of, we kind of do a bit of, um, early help work as well. So before so like early intervention, yeah, yeah. So that, okay. b- before you need to remember when I say early intervention, it's not even with regards to like mental health or the clinical side. The early intervention in the forensic world is in regards to before somebody's committed an offence. Right. Okay, so like, okay. Yeah, we call it. It's basically early help, but we call it like prevention work. Basically. Okay. So before somebody's even committed offence. Like they might have just been arrested and yeah. then we tried to like intervene, intervene from there exactly, and then try yeah, and, and then yeah, build a rapport and the exactly, therapeutic relationship exactly, with that yeah, person yeah, okay yeah. and recently this is just the first time i'm announcing this i don't even know when this is going to come out but <laughs> i've recently got a new job now oh congratulations I haven't, I haven't started it yet so um yeah i'm just waiting on a couple like checks to come back but yeah i'm, I'm gonna be going back into education really but higher education i'm going to be working in the university oh okay um essentially doing the same thing basically within forensic no not forensic just generic mental health oh really how come you switched forensic can be intense man like it's a a, a lot of man you're not just managing somebody's mental health you're having to manage offending behavior as well so it's like the bridge between like being a probation officer then being a psychologist yeah like you everything you do you're not just thinking solely about mental health you're thinking about how the mental health informs their offending behavior and their offending behavior normally isn't just about them it's about other, other people. factors exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's some like of them is like trauma informed it's from childhood yeah, yeah. expanding into adulthood yeah, yeah. it's yeah, a lot yeah. of factors that affect it's a lot of somebody's offending behavior it's a lot to think about so like yeah it's just i don't believe anybody should really be doing like frontline work that's too intense for more than like eight years nine years like so I'm I'm done with that kind of frontline work. In <laughs> I literally said this in my last episode. I think frontline work, personally for me, I lasted about four years, and I was just exhausted. I was yeah, burnt yeah. out. I just couldn't. So though, big up the NHS nurses, exactly. doctors that yeah, have been yeah. doing it for what twenty five plus years. Because for me personally, I struggled. Yeah, I re- yeah. I was burnt out by the end of it. Exhausted. Yeah, yeah. It can get stressful and when you've got a lot of other things going on in your life like yeah. if you want to like our our whole generation is about having side hustles and other ventures and stuff yeah exactly you kind of need to keep your mind clear so i want something that of course there's shallow reasons as well pays a bit more money <laughs> but is um just a bit less intense basically so yeah cool. i'm hoping it's going to be less intense but well congrats uni can be stressful too thank you so much thank you're you. welcome so that's background information on Dej. Also, Dej has this Dej. Tell them about the, is it BIPP network? Yeah, yeah, the BIP network. Oh, BIP. Yeah. I think it's calling it BIPP. But yeah, like you, no, it is actually BIPP, but I just, to shorten it. I so did you found that, or is that? No, no, no. I'm, uh, uh, the founder is an amazing woman called Keisha York. 
cool. who I actually worked closely with on another project. So like a, uh, a like a little startup called Woke Weekly mm-hmm. asked me and Keisha to kind of be their mental health leads. They yeah. go they go to different universities and yeah. facilitate talks in it. Okay. And normally it's just like generic talks about what's going on in the world. But they wanted to start a mental health branch. They're doing like really, really well. They go to like loads of unis, you know, loads of ACSs. They wanted to start a mental health branch. So then um, they wanted me and Keisha to lead that. So then we worked together for about two years, I think it was, yeah. just going to like loads of different universities cool. doing talks. Really, really sick experience. And then... Um, she went off to kind she kind of went and thought about things and then wanted to start she basically just wanted to do an event if i'm being totally honest like i think she would be okay with me saying it (laughs) she wanted to do an event um where basically like a load of black psychologists yeah um, psychology students and people getting into psychiatry as well um were just in the same room talking about mental health so like an expansion on what we were doing at the universities like doing it in london where everybody can just come together and have talks about mental health in general but the difficulties into about getting into psychology and psych- psychiatry for black people as well yeah which we're definitely going to talk about during this episode yeah so she she did this one event and it was like she she hollered at me straight away she was like dej i need you to help me on this blah blah blah, blah. and she hollered at a couple of other people as well and then we were all kind of helping just to organize this one event but the event went so well that and there was such a demand for it that she kind of saw that she could actually make this into a thing like into a network where she yeah. can continuously be doing events and that's basically what happened. That's exactly how it was born. Like, so it's I was amazing as well. So if you're a upcoming black forensics, well, not forensics, sorry, psychology student, psychiatry, if that's your passion, I suggest you follow them yeah. on Insta because I follow them and I think it's amazing yeah. work. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. it's a little update thing. Yeah, yeah. It's Abs- amazing. Absolutely fantastic. So then the people that obviously helped her do the event, um, she kind of had faith in us and knew what we had kind of been doing from our own work and also from the work that we had kind of done with Keisha. So again, like she knew me and she knew that I was competent because of all of the talks we did in the universities. Yeah. So she was like, oh yeah, I want you to be on board in this. Like you can be a managing director, blah, 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 blah. And that's it. That's exactly how it was born. So I was there at the beginning. She's the founder. I'm a very, very proud managing director. <laughs> and then since then, it's just like, it's absolutely like grown Yeah, um, to a place, to a thing that actually takes up a significant amount of time for all of us now. But it's like, we're doing such a good thing. It's just, yeah, it's, it's good. So if you are an aspiring black psychologist, psychiatrist, and you're listening to this, please follow the network. 100% follow. Perfect. So let's get into the nitty and gritty bits cool. of this podcast. So like I said, we're going to just be discussing things mental health issues in the black community i feel like it's very important i mm. think black the black community right now was going through a lot of what's what's the right word i say we're just going through a period of change um everything's been looked at yeah and i think it's mental health especially is important for every race but i think for black for black people it's a big thing because we're not necessarily used to talking about mental health. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily open to speaking about it. I think our generation maybe got a bit better about it. Yeah. But I know my mom and dad's generation, yeah, my yeah. grandparents' generation, their grand like mental health is like even now my granddad's still like, oh, what's mental health? Do you know what I mean? My granddad's like in his eighties. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's a, the lack of understanding. So in your opinion, what do you think is the issues with mental health in the black community? Do you feel like we need a lot more education? Do you feel like we need more specific speaking? Like what do you think we need? Yeah. I think First of all, I always like to start this question with the fact that mental health is probably we're having the same problem in all races. Mm. Like it's not just the black, black race; it's everybody, it's all races. And that's why mental health is so. Well, this is why I enjoy it because it affects everybody. It's not just one, one specific person. demographic. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And the, the problem of like not taking mental health as seriously as it should be is a problem that again transcends races. So it's like a problem in all races. Obviously, that effect is either it per- it's perceived to be amplified because we're black ourselves and we see yeah. black people, so we don't really know what's going on in that race because we're not involved in that race, so it's hard for us to judge. But then I do think, just like with a lot of things, black people are... The world hasn't allowed us to catch... to be up to speed in terms of some things as other races. So like just like 
you could say that African culture is probably behind Western culture with regards to technology yeah. or with regards to TV and all of that. I would say that about mental health as well. So it's like every all of the, all human beings are kind of behind where they should be, but black people are a bit further behind. And there's probably like a bunch of social economic reasons mm-hmm. as to why that is. Slavery being the main one and everything that's just basically happened to us hasn't allowed us to reach our maximum potential, but we are yeah. going to 100% get there. Um, yeah. So yeah, within the black community, it's literally just, it's just about awareness, taking it seriously. Like again, like you said, you raised a very, very important point. We're like the first generation that's kind of come to the West West, and then we've been allowed to adapt and kind of expand our knowledge into themes that are totally like foreign to our mum and dad. Yeah. So like they know nothing about that because in school, they're yeah. not taught about that. Like nobody's really talking about that. Even at the highest level, even the most educated people in Africa are probably not concerned with mental health like yeah. that. Like it's not really, really a thing. Um, so that definitely set us back because you've got people in other races that are probably being taught about this from the get go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we're just having to discover it when we get older, basically. Like even some of my friends, I'm just teaching them about certain things in mental health. So it's like, we haven't been, we haven't had that awareness. So that awareness has stopped us from gaining the knowledge. Now we kind of have got the knowledge, like, well, my generation has, has got the knowledge. We know about things. It's about that knowledge now being okay. So the first stage is like awareness. The second stage is probably normalization. Like, so, okay, yeah, it's okay to have a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be going through mental health difficulties because mm-hmm. that literally happens to every single human being. Literally. So I think that's what the stage we're at now, like making it okay and normalized and not just normalized like, as in like, I'm going to talk about this on social media. Like, but actually like actively seeking therapy if you need a therapist exactly, actively yeah. talking to your gp if you need a gp exactly, not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. doing the whole t- don't make me wrong i do agree with like people are sharing their stories on twitter Insta. i think social media is good for that but at the same time it's not a therapist exactly, do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and if you genuinely need to seek therapy i think go exactly and that should be okay and it should be accessible as well accessibility is the next stage that i'm gonna yeah. get to but for normalization it needs to be to a pl- i always love to relate mental health to physical health like Same. if you if you have a cold you go to a doctor yeah you go to a doctor and th- the other thing is is like you're not even going to be ashamed in the slightest that you have a cold mm-hmm. like you might not even this might be such a foreign concept to people now but back in the day if you were sick people didn't even want to say that because it's like if you had things like a cold or things that are contagious people used to treat it like mental health is in like you don't really want to tell anybody because then people are going to start treating you different yeah. if you tell it now a cold is so normalized to the point where if you have a cold nobody cares you can come out and talk and be like you have a cold <laughs> you can sneeze on the train Literally. No well, maybe not during covid season but okay, before yeah, that pre pre covid pre covid 100% yeah pre covid so yeah like it should be that normal to have yeah, um a, a mental health problem yeah exactly mm-hmm. a discussion or just being o- okay to say that you're going through literally this. i said this on my last episode actually and i said i think you'll go see like if your head's hurting you'll see a doctor if your chest is hurting you'll see a doctor. a doctor if your foot's hurting you'll see a doctor but your brain your mind you're not feeling yourself you literally sit there yeah. and in your pain and just allow it to happen until it gets to a point where now it has to be which we're going to go into a bit later it now has to be intervened where you're either getting sectioned yeah, or yeah. you've had a breakdown or you're in psychosis or you do you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah no i agree with you yeah 100 percent. so and the, the the paradox about that is when it comes to physical health, our parents will probably be the first people in like mm-hmm. A&E or the first people telling you, go to the doctor, do this, do mm-hmm. that. But when it comes to mental health, it's like, it's just such a foreign concept to them. Yeah. So we need to definitely get to a stage of normalization and not just like we're moving towards it. It is a gradual process. We're moving towards it, but it needs to get to a space where it's as normal as physical health. We will achieve that 100% within we the will. community. And then accessibility, like once it's normal, can people go and get help for these things? Like I said, like physical health, it's gone past the point where like for a cold now, you don't have to go to A&E or whatever because colds are so common. People understand that everybody's going to go through this once in a life to the point where you can just go to the pharmacy, pick up something for a cold. And they've even gone further than the pharmacy. You can go to Tesco and just go to an aisle. And just pick it up, basically. You don't even have to go to a pharmacy anymore, like, if you really want And there's so much, like, natural remedies. So even if you don't want to do the whole um, taking medication, you can literally do lemon ginger one time. You're fine. There's there's so much rationale behind it where it's, like, it's so normal to have it, it's so normal to say you have it, and it's so normal to get help for it, basically. So that's, I think, accessibility in regards to mental health. Like, we need more 
black therapist, black psychologist, black yes, psychiatrist. Yes, this is what I want to get onto with All of you. that kind of stuff, yeah. So, again, sorry, we're going to go into the black psychiatrist, but again, Drew, like, do you think there's anything accessibility as well? I was even going to talk about in terms of sometimes it's even hard as about GPs not necessarily taking black. There's been a lot of talk about this in like social media and the news, mm. but GPs, doctors not necessarily taking black females and black males concerned seriously yeah and not necessarily giving us the same treatment they would ne- might give maybe a, a, a person a different person a yeah. Caucasian person or do you know what I mean because they feel like and I quote this is what I read somewhere that we're exaggerating our pain mm. and how we're feeling yeah um which I think may be also a problem with accessibility because if you're going to go to a GP and not feel that you're going to be taken seriously why are you going to go you're going to go you're, you're not, not going to be motivated to go exactly. and this is the problem when it comes with then you then sit down and stay with it for so long for months and months and it gets to a point where it has to be intervened where you are being sectioned yeah and when you have had a mental health breakdown and when you are genuinely unwell so i definitely agree with the accessibility issue a hundred percent so going on to the black side so why do you think that we have a lack of black psychologists and black psychiatrists because me personally in my job Mm -hmm. i go around all different unit um different hospitals and stuff and I've never, I've only, I think I've met one black psychiatrist yeah, since yeah. I've been working um, at my job. And I find it quite, I found it quite amazing only because I felt like, wow, because in my, when I did some research actually for work, you've got black people, black males, especially, they're overrepresented in the prison system yeah. and in the forensic, the forensic system. Yeah. So you've got a number of black males that are in these, in prison and in forensic secure hospitals. Yeah. But you'd have, underrepresentation of black yeah. psychologists and black psychiatrists yeah. and if a black male is not necessarily seeing a man that looks like him is he going to open up yeah is he going to build a therapeutic relationship yeah yeah and we need to understand as well that unfortunately black men and white men we have they have different life experiences exactly yeah different life experiences and that's just that's just normal that's just how it is yeah yeah so do you feel like what do you feel like the main reason is why we don't we have such a lack of psychologists black psychologists and psychiatrists i think the first thing we need to remember that this is it's not our our country Mm. like we came over here and we're kind of making our way here basically that doesn't mean that we should just stay in the background or whatever no I'm just saying, let's give ourselves time to get to places where we can achieve these jobs. Like a, ma- an, a huge number of us can kind of achieve these jobs. The second thing is, it's weird and it's a paradox, but representation, like again, that's, that's the thing about normalization. Like it needs to be normal for black people to work in any care service, to be honest, yeah. like any sort of social care. But then you have a lot of black nurses. We have a you lot do. of black you nurses. Do. You do loads. A lot of black nurses. Loads, loads. That do so much amazing work i've been to so many friends units and just seen the matrons of black as I've, I've met a black matron i've yeah. seen so many black nurses but not black psychologists Psycho- or psychiatrists yeah yeah i think for us coming over i just remember because i'm i'm somebody that's that's really unique in terms of like okay you're a black man doing this i don't meet was many you first gen was you born here or was you born i was born here in the okay, uk so yeah. first gen black British, yeah obviously. so and I'm somebody like I'm I'm probably a rebel in that my parents didn't want me to do psychology. Yeah. They didn't want me to do psychology. I'm guessing like and this pressure came from from the first time I even showed an interest in psychology. So this was like I'm talking about this pressure was starting from year eleven when I was saying I'm gonna pick psychology for my A levels yeah, as one yeah. of my A levels. They was like, Why are you picking psychology? That's not really a subject. And I'm guessing loads of people were told that exact same thing, yeah. which kind of deterred them. Again, I'm a rebel, so I was going to do what I liked anyway. Yeah. I was like, you want me to be a doctor or whatever? That's your choice. I'm going to go off and do whatever what I want to do anyway. Do, yeah. But I'm guessing like a load of people that maybe had an interest in it, Just it's just going to be an initial interest because you're still at the beginning of, of your... your, your yeah. Exactly, yeah. Your you don't education. even know that you wanted to do it yet. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm guessing that deterred a lot of people to the point where they didn't even get to start investigating for themselves that this might be an interesting path to kind of go down. Do you know yeah. how many people I meet now that have studied different things and they're like, they wish they did psychology, they wish they were in like the yeah. mental health field or whatever, because loads of people do actually have an interest in, in mental, mental health. health. It's becoming, it's actually, and it's really good to see it's that sick. it's a growing, it's actually a growing career. Yeah. A lot of people are actually very, which is amazing to see. Yeah, yeah. But I think probably at the early stages when you were like a bit more suggestible to your parents, they would have deterred you right away from that. 
So that's yeah. one of the things. And then it's about what are your friends doing? What is normal for you to do? Like, it's not normal for a black man to do psychology. Yeah. Like, even me, when I'm telling my boys, I'm, I've, when I was doing psychology or telling my boys I'm doing psychology, I'm getting bantered because they're like, <laughs> that's not the thing that makes you pee. Like, you need to go into something to do with finance or whatever. Yeah. That's how they think. Like, me, I was thinking a lot further ahead as in like, of course I want money, of course, but I want to be able to enjoy what I'm doing. And as also well. it's about making a difference. I think mental health, well, I said it in my previous episode, for me personally, it's one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever done, being yeah, a frontline exactly. worker. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I think seeing someone working so hard with somebody and just seeing how much they grow. Yeah, changing somebody's life. People don't sometimes understand. If you're not in that, you don't understand how much mental health can affect somebody. There's basic things that we can do and all things that is going to the shop, yeah. enjoy it. Someone genuinely has so much anxiety, they can't even they do, can't that. do that. Yeah, and yeah. I think mental health is definitely one of the most rewarding jobs anyway for me personally. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. No, I would 100% agree. Like, it's, it's amazingly re- rewarding. And I think, yeah, the reason why black people are not really in it is, is those two things maybe. It's because like, so if somebody's coming up after me now, like I'm going to be telling like my little cousin or my nephew or my son, it's okay to do this because I've done this. I've done this, I've made a lot of money from it, and I'm enjoying it. Just like my boy who's in finance would have done finance, made a lot of money from it, and he's probably enjoying it. Mm. It's okay it's to, okay to, to do, diversify. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You don't like have black to men do the don't same. have to be working yeah. in finance. Yeah. But we needed, like, no, there was nobody there to tell me that. I'm but this is my thing, it's a problem. So even if your parents obviously wasn't necessarily set on the idea of you becoming a psychologist, I feel like if there was, like, black mentors in uni that was a psychologist or something then it would encourage yeah, yeah. a lot more black men and black females yeah yeah 100%. like black so men and fe- black men and women i think there's such we just need more of them more exactly and that's that's just one of those things that you kind of just have to wait like that's yeah. why i started with the point that we just kind of come over here we're the ones that are infiltrating the system now people coming up after us will see loads of black psychologists like the bit network is is one of them where it's like you actually think there are not loads because if you do like a proportion like we are very very small but there's actually loads of them the fact that we can fill a fill a room with 200 black people is amazing that, that are doing psychology or psychiatry that's that lets you know like when you look around that room you're thinking rah you work here and they're like oh yeah i work in south or i work in east like everybody works in a service yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. only in london like that's so that's like in this condensed space so you feel like ho- hopefully like outside of outside, london there's, there's still more, more people exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming through and doing it it's one of those ones where with this we just need to be patient with ourselves like i'm a black man i've got loads of like black male mentees now that are doing That's psychology so and that kind of field and they're gonna come up be successful and then they're gonna have mentees yeah. and they're gonna have even so more it's gonna be like me. a revolving door exactly. and hopefully yeah, yeah. when as time goes on there's gonna be a lot more yeah, yeah. black psychologists psychiatrists the reason why it's a problem now and the reason why we need to accelerate it and while why the system needs to accelerate it is exactly what you said because there's an overrepresentation of black there people is. and they and i feel like users. it's just gonna keep it's just going to keep on exactly, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't so it's it? like, we need to fast forward. Like that, that motion is going to happen anyway. Like more black people are going to infiltrate the system, but we yeah. need to fast forward that motion because, um, we're overrepresented at a service user level. And of course, like the biggest indicator of a good therapeutic relationship is relatability. And the biggest yeah. indicator of relatability is going to be race and gender. Like mm-hmm. if somebody that looks like you, same color as you and the same gender of you, then you're immediately relatable at a face value level. So that's why things need to be put in place from us and from outside of us, so the systems, the NHS and all of that, to accelerate the representation of black people at a a professional level. I agree. I think it's so important. I think it's needed. I think we're lacking in it. Really, really lacking in it. And I think London being so multicultural as it is, I feel like... There needs to be. I just feel like I go into I go into like places. And I'm just thinking, wow, they're doing such good work. But we there needs to be like a black psychologist or a black psychiatrist. Yeah. Even my where I used to work, there was twelve residents, and nine of them twelve residents were black. Yeah, yeah. Not one of them residents had a black psychiatrist. Not one of them residents had a black psychologist. Yeah. None of them, not even a black therapist. And for me, it felt like that was what was missing because I felt like when you have someone that you can relate to, don't get me wrong. Obviously, white psychiatrists, white psychologists, any other race, they're amazing at their job. But there does need to be, I think that's the bridge that's missing. Especially, like you said, we need to accelerate it because it's up and coming. Like like we both said, the over-representation is going to continue. Talking about the prison system, the criminal justice system, as we we will know that obviously there is an over-representation of black people in that system. 
and that's mainly who's going to be in the forensic system yeah so we need more yeah and a, a good a good white psychologist will tell you like the fact that they can't relate or they're struggling to relate to their black service users isn't a bad thing it's mm. literally just because you're not is relatable. What it is. yeah, yeah like, it is it really literally is it is what it is you're not relatable and it's and it's blatantly obvious you know what i mean and they would they will tell you as well right like you said race and gender are the two main characteristics that you look for exactly. i'm gonna go into this a bit as well like black therapists and stuff but that's what you look for yeah. i know a lot of people now talking about let's go into therapy actually so what's your opinion and thoughts on therapy I love therapy. I, I I give therapy, so I have to be a, a, a psychologist, a, a, a massive fan for it. Like I'm a huge fan of the talking therapy. Therapy is like I say that in every single interview. Like if you think about life in general, yeah, the way people are molded most of the time is through conversations. Yeah. It's, it's through words. Like it's through reinforcement of words. Like you think about a child. That's there's a cookie there, and a the child wants to eat the cookie. The first time he's gonna eat the cookie. The next time, you're going to have to tell them, don't eat the cookie. And they're still going to get urges to eat the cookie. But the more you tell them, the more you reinforce in them, don't eat the cookie. And then context behind why they shouldn't eat the cookie. That's what's actually going to make them change their behavior from their own natural instinct to eat the cookie to not eat the cookie. Yeah. That's talking therapy, basically. That's like reinforcement. That's that's the nature of life. So yeah, yeah. I 100% believe that therapy, yeah. if you talk to somebody a lot, one, you get to outport your heart and two it's like psychoeducation giving people advice telling people what's going on in their own head is only going to be like amazing like i think so many people underestimate it because it's not a quick fix thing it's not one of these things where you can easily measure it's not a quick fix thing fix thing like you can't change somebody's behavior or some most of the time you can't change somebody's behavior in one conversation it might take 16 conversations but if you keep that reinforcement up then it will sort of work exactly so do you feel like as a black person, would you prefer to go to a black therapist or would you go to black therapist for sure? Like really, again, like race is so our stories from our stories are so different from white people from like the long term history, like the really really long term history to the short term history. Our stories are so mm. like black people as a whole story so different from yeah. any other race. You as an individual black person, no matter where you've grown up, is going to be different to that of a white person like you could live on the same street you could be neighbors of to a white person and you both started your age zero to age 18 and it was just different your stories are still going to be extremely so different, different. Yeah. even if you've been best friends on same nursery college school exactly, everything yeah. everything is just different your stories are going to be different and it's going to be different in a way that you've been molded differently because of the experience experiences you've you've experienced i'm not talking about like minor differences like he likes spicy food you don't like spicy food (laughs) or you like spicy food you don't i'm talking about stuff that actually happens to you Mm -hmm. over and over that kind of shapes your perception of the world so i would 100 percent go with a black person because they're going to understand me more that's what i was saying this is what i was saying as well to even normalize the whole going back to black community mental health about normalizing therapy because i think like i feel like a lot of black people are actually now open up to therapy which wasn't the case i think like what 10 years ago because what and I will go, always go back to this. Obviously, I'm from a Caribbean. I'm from a Caribbean background, so I always go back to the thing of sometimes what I remember is your biz. If you feel this type of way, you keep it to yourself because it's your business. It's yeah. not nobody else's business. business. You don't tell how you feel to an outside person. Yeah, that's a culture because thing. you don't know what they're gonna do with that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's so important that us, our generation. So we're the millennials. I'm doing this with quotes, by the way. <laughs> Millennial generation have come out of the fact that and are normalizing therapy yeah. a lot more like i feel like my mom and dad generation i don't know necessarily if they would even think about going to therapy yeah same. just because again the culture about it so why must i now tell a person, person. that's outside it's a foreign of, concept outside of me why am i now telling them my personal business do you know what i mean i don't my mom and dad actually may be a bit more open because like i said they, they're first gen so they were born here okay. so they're maybe a bit, a bit more, more but my nan and granddad, no. Like, they were born overseas. They're not, they're know, not, they're not doing it. My mum and dad, maybe a bit more. But I just think it's interesting the fact that it's become a bit, normal, a bit more normal. And I feel like, again, we need more black therapists. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Again, because that's another thing where I think we're lacking again. Especially just normal black therapists that do CBT, those. We just need more of those. Yeah, we yeah. don't have them. And that's the problem. And I think I, w- I was reading something on Twitter, actually, and a girl was saying how she's been looking just specifically for a black therapist to talk about her trauma, yeah. but it was been such a difficult because it's just not a range. Yeah, There's yeah. not that many available. Yeah, Which, so if you're listening and you're a black therapist, please put out your Insta or something just to make it aware because it's needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot more black, 
black people want to go therapy because people are more willing to open and talk about their trauma. 100%. For example, I think I gave this as an example of day, like black boys being stopped in search and black boys having a certain upbringing, black boys being involved in the gang culture, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much socio- socioeconomic yeah. things that happen to black boys. You're now 27. You've now maybe potentially gone to prison, come mm-hmm. out of prison. You're now trying to better your life. However, you've seen so much traumatic things that your mental health is deteriorating. Yeah. You're going to necessarily want to go to a black male therapist and if that's if that's what you want to do and talk. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't have that option, what are you meant to do? What are you meant to do? Exactly. You can't go to a therapist and just talk about very, very detailed, unique themes like gang culture to them mm. and think that they're just going to get it. Like a lot of, it's like speaking a different language and it almost is speaking a different language, language through yeah. slang. Like it's like, if it's like me trying to give therapy to somebody that only speaks Chinese. Yeah, literally. Because like we're just talking two different things and it's very much like, okay, maybe let's take a step back and then start. But I just feel like, like you said, in terms of, I think you've t- made a good point about the whole normalization. I think therapy needs to still be a bit more normalized, yeah, especially yeah. I think with black men. I think black females, you know, <laughs> we doing it. I think we're starting to understand the opening. I think black men, no. I mean, me. that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, people can disagree. But I just think black men need to now normalize going to therapy and now yeah. normalize it because they have as much trauma as women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As much trauma. And I think this is the problem, I think, as well with our, with our generation and the older generation. And I think maybe even the younger generation. I actually am going to do an episode on young people and mental health. But I think for black boys, it's not norm- I don't think it's normalized to go for therapy. I think men in general, whatever race you are, I mean, talking about your feelings and stuff isn't... Exactly. That you, you, we don't do that. Men don't do that. And oh. then for black men, you have the not talking about your feelings. You also have the cultural aspects of going to therapy. Yeah, that's just, well, that's just a cultural disaster. Yeah, me exactly. personally, and I think black men definitely need to normalize going to therapy. Yeah. I think we do, we do, we do. And even me, I'm a therapist. My like what I give, I have therapeutic relationships, and I give that the counselling. Would I go to therapy? I probably would if I was going through some stuff, but even then, like even when I asked myself that question, I still had to think about it. Where it should have just been a th- situation where, like, yeah, yeah, I would. But is that culturally or because you're a man? Both. Like it, you, you articulated it so well. It's like the combination of both. Like men in general don't talk about their feelings. Like, again, mm. that's not unique to black men. That's men in general yeah. probably amplified more for black men because yeah, exactly. we're seen as more ma- masculine. But then to go as far as therapy. No, no way, Jose. Like, that's going to be too much. But this is what I'm saying. And I think, th- and I don't think enough spotlights actually drawn onto that. I yeah. think therapy as a whole was drawn on. But I think generalizing it to specifically going towards black men, I don't yeah. think there's enough spotlight on it. And I think it's really, really important because we are growing. Like, they've got, you've got, look at these boys that are growing up now. You've got now boys our age. You've got older guys now who have, like I said, have probably gone through such traumatic things yeah. when they were like of the age of like seven or something. Yeah. And have never spoken about it. Yeah, exactly. They're now in relationships and doing. And you know, as a therapist, you do certain behaviors when you don't understand your feelings towards certain things, yeah. and you're now putting that in a It'll relationship. Itself, yeah, in different ways. In different, completely different ways. And I think it just it needs to be said that I feel like black men, you lot need to go to. If you need to, I'm not saying obviously if you don't need to, then obviously don't go. But if you feel like you need to, you've been through something traumatic, please normalize going to it because. I just think it's so important. I think it's a necessity. No, I agree. I agree. And it's one of those things where it's like, it would be so hard for me to my, my whole job is based around getting black men. Like my, my caseload is 99% black men. Oh really? Um, Do you, do you think they, do they find it harder to open up? Do you think, or do you think they're okay because they see you and they're like, okay, black guy must. A bit of both. Like I think they find it hard to open up in general. Yeah. When they see me, it makes it so much easier. And it's not just about, for me, it's not just about seeing me. Like, of course, the face value straight away. They see me and they see a black man and they're like, wait, this is the therapist that you told me to come here and see. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, cool. Let me see what he's saying. Some of them might even be a bit more wary because I'm a black man. Yeah, but then yeah. it's like it's them seeing the way I talk and the way I articulate my, myself and my gesticulation and everything that kind of goes into that. They now build a picture to themselves that, like, rah, this guy is going to be extremely relatable. And I make sure that I overcompensate with that when I go into the meeting. So it's like, most professionals would say, oh, you have to code switch. When you're at work, you have to do, you have to talk a certain way yeah. that you don't talk when you're with your boys. Yeah. And that's what I do when I'm in professional meetings. But when I when I come back into like the therapeutic room, 
I go back to talking like the way I'm going to talk. I'm still going to articulate myself very, very well. You're still going to know that I'm educated and that I can do my job. But I'm going to make it relatable. Like, if you're talking about slang themes, I'm going to yeah. be like, I understand, like, nearly every single slang word you're talking about where yeah. somebody else you're is probably going to You're good, because these slang words that these 17-year-olds have come out, I'm thinking, what are you... I'm learning new ones saying? all the time, but I'm just winging Honestly, it. I'm winging it while I'm in like, the meeting. Huh? It's like they talk a different language. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? what? <laughs> so it's like, it's for, for me, for, that's my whole job, getting black men to talk to me and don't get it don't get me twi- don't get it twisted like there is a huge part of encouragement and ha- me having to like kind of encourage people like let's just do this like it yeah. will be good it's that first pitch like I've gotten so good at that first pitch like yeah. I, I picture it as like we're just going to have conversations like you yeah. can ask me questions I can ask you questions give a little anytime. bit of background exactly yeah if anytime you want to dip you can dip like it's, there's no pressure on you but I actually think that, think it helps and a lot of them do come round. Like I'm so proud of like my levels of engagement. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 sick. And a lot of them do come round. And when you do, because you know it's so rare for a black man to do that. When you actually do get somebody that wants to talk to you, like you're ex- like I'm extremely happy. Like I'm just like this is this is sick. This is amazing. And then these people are actually people that are like me as well and have similar stories to me. So one, their stories are crazy interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's like watching Blue Story or watching Top Boy sometimes <laughs> listening to their stories because I can relate so much. Yeah. And number two, it's like, these lot are, are actually people that I might, in a different world, hang around with. Like, if yeah. I was in school with you, then I might be chilling with you yeah, because yeah. you're actually a cool guy. Like, you're very funny, similar like, cool. characteristics. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like, I'm enjoying myself at work yeah. and I'm still giving like I'm still giving them what they kind of need. They mm-hmm. need that outlet and they need that advice basically. And I, I can un- I can relate to their themes so well. Like I can relate to being stabbed. I can relate to being on the end and people are looking at looking for you. I can relate to whole ego passer and passer around girls. I can relate to all of that stuff because I was literally indulged in that stuff. Yeah. So it's like when they're hearing me talking, they're just like this is like me talking to my boy, but he's a psychologist. Like yeah. it's an amazing combination. So my my numbers are sick, but I understand that. I am so unique. Like, even I said, like, my project is such a unique project. There's not going to be many people like me. Like, and if they go into that same room and see an older white woman, they're not going to be on it. Like, they're just, n- they're not going to be on it. Like, even if I was to go into a room and I see a younger white girl, I'm not going to be as on it as if I see a black man because I'm going to be thinking immediately, like, oh, I can't really relate. And then yeah. how that, how am I going to, how's that relationship And then the, it's about building the rapport and building a therapeutic relationship. Obviously, one thing about therapy is you need to build the relationship between you and your and therapist. The person, yeah, because yeah. otherwise, it's not going to work. And you know, as a professional, I know as a professional, it's just not going to work. If you can't build your rapport with your therapist, yeah. there's no point. You might yeah. as well get your money back or just never come back. Because realistically, you need to have that kind of relationship because you need to be able to open up. The reason you're in therapy is because you evidently have certain things that you need to speak about and it needs to be spoken about. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. if you but if you're not gonna be open, then what's the point? Exactly, yeah, yeah. What is the point? Yeah. I'm glad we spoke about the therapy thing because I was really interested to see what your take is on it because I think, yeah, the black men. I just because I've been seeing quite a lot of things about black men not wanting to do the therapy thing, and I feel like it's just a necessity. I think it's needed. It would solve a lot of lot of problems, but it's one of those ones where you can't. Again, like I've been doing this, so it's like it's one of those ones where you can't force them into it like mm-hmm. forcing anyone into it is, is not gonna make yeah, there's no point if you, you exactly, can't it's yeah. literally you can't force nobody into therapy so unfortunately you have to be comfortable with a lot of lost causes which is a very sad thing to say but you need to make sure the younger generation this is why i always preach that it's so important to have like this mindset embedded in them in schools have therapists in school so by the time they get to 16 17 it's normal it's normal it's exactly. not a thing like oh my god you're yeah. going to therapy why are you going to therapy exactly. you're a boy you don't exactly. go to therapy you're black you don't go to therapy you don't tell people your business you keep it within the household exactly. we need to really come away from that i think our generation's actually doing a really good job about it yeah, yeah. i think a lot of people like i said have opened up um black women black men have said yeah i go to therapy it's normalized let's do it let's talk about it let's be open yeah. but i think it needs to carry on and carry on and carry on and yeah. carry on because we have traumatic, like just even being as a black person right now in this day and age, going on the news, seeing things that are going on in America, seeing things that are going on in the UK, it's traumatic. Yeah, 100%. I had to take a good week of social media because it was getting too much. It was exhausting. Yeah. I was sad. I was emotional. I was angry. Do you know what I mean? Like just being a black person right now was hard. Yeah, yeah. Just generally, it's hard. And I think then add every other socioeconomic background, so poverty. You got um, we got obviously issues with gangs, issues with drugs, yep. all of that. 
criminal justice system. It's Add that on top of it. A it's a lot to carry. Imagine if you're a 13 year old going through all of that. You'll burst. Exactly. You'll actually burst. So I agree. I'm going to actually, like I said, I'm going to do, I actually have got an episode about young people and mental health because I think it's such an important. I think they're kind of like the forgotten, I would say. I think. I call them the forgotten. I think people forget that young people also have mental health. 100%. Obviously. And also need to speak about it and what's available to them. So that's definitely going to be in another episode. This is one of those things where we same with the representation of black people we need to it's one of those things that will naturally more people will talk about like even at a very practical level when i have children i'm going to talk to them about mental health when 100%. you have children you're going to do it 100%. most of the people in our generation are we'll going to make it. sure that the new black people come the new black children coming forward are going to be aware of mental 100%. health 100% we just need to accelerate it by putting like therapists in schools or putting it in education so it's like yeah. mental health is a thing just like physical health is a thing from the get it just needs to be i think just drum down from the get-go from the get-go yeah. get like you'll see a, lo- a lot of society problems or a lot of the problems within our community will naturally over the course of like 10 15 20 years they'll naturally evaporate like they'll minimize a lot like all of the stuff that's that black men that black men are kind of going through or all of the ways it's manifesting or like projecting itself will, will disappear or there'll be a lot more a lot less because the trauma and everything that's going on in their childhood is being dealt with or something and being dealt with when it should be dealt with not being dealt with 15 years later when that person's now committed murder god forbid or something else that person's then committed a crime that is now when it's being dealt with when realistically that person that young boy should have spoke about it when he was 30 when he was going through whatever it was whatever traumatic issue he was going through should be spoken about when he was 12 not when when he's 27 doing life yeah makes no it doesn't make any sense I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. <laughs> so coming to a close, my thing as well is what do you think, I'm talking about now our own community, what do you think our community can do better to support black people with mental health? I'm talking about our culture. Obviously, Deji's Nigerian, aren't you, Deji? I am. Nigerian. Yeah, and obviously, I told you, I'm obviously from the Caribbean. Um, what do you think? Why do you say I'm Nigerian, but you're from the Caribbean? Is it because you're from multiple places? Yeah. Do you want me to explain the multiple places? So my mom is half South African, half Guyanese. So actually, I'm South African as well. And my dad is half Asian, half Jamaican. So that's why I said the Caribbean, because I'm from a multiple islands. So you're from the Caribbean and Africa? Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Um, So what do you think needs to be done within our own culture? Because I always say sometimes that we're our own own worst enemies. Mm -hmm. I do sometimes think culture... Our culture doesn't help, yeah, ter- yeah. especially especially with mental health. Now, I go on to religion, and this is a big thing for me as well. When people saying, "Oh, you you're not feeling you, you're you're not well, you're not wh- whatever the case pray. may be, just pray." Mm. And I think that is a cultural thing. It is a cultural. And I, what do you think, in your own opinion, what could be kind of like? How can we mend that? How can we kind of? I know culture is such a hard thing to change because we've grown with it and we've raised with it, and that's us. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I do sometimes think we're our own worst enemy. And I think some things do yeah. maybe and need to switch up. Again, I think culture is very, very difficult to change. Like it takes years mm-hmm. to kind of unwind. Like it takes years to tangle up. But we will, we will, and we kind of are changing that now. So it's like my mum, even my mum now, because I've been so involved in psychology and she sees like, I kind of explain to her what I'm doing and some stuff that's happened within my family with other people. Yeah. She's a lot more aware of it now. So she's yeah. not like, it's like, a good example again is physical health if i break my leg on the football pitch now and then i come home and my mom sees my leg bleeding or my mom she's gonna take it yeah she's gonna be like we're gonna pray about it but i'm also (laughs) gonna take you to hospital like Mm. she's not just gonna be like yeah stay at home we'll pray and your leg will heal up she's she's not gonna be like that she'll be like we need to go to hospital african parents love hospital so much like for any (laughs) physical health whatever so it's like they also do the prayer and they're also heavy on the prayer um but they understand that you kind of need both in conjunction Mm -hmm. and i think my mom even my mom at her old age now she's starting to get that about mental health yeah and i think our generation we definitely get that so that's i'm gonna be exactly like that like if anything happens mental health wise i'm also gonna be i'll be praying and at the same time i'll be telling my child or doing whatever needs to be Be done done. right with regards to therapy to get my child into a place it's best of both worlds best of both worlds exactly and i think we know that so again like that's something that will all of the old mentality and the old culture we'll will naturally get, decay. Yeah. yeah, will come out. And we just need to kind of do more to do that. What we can do to accelerate that again is keep having conversations, like keep talking about it, keep making a narrative. Even some of the 
I would perceive as harmful in the long-term conversations on Twitter, they still keep mental health at the forefront of some people's minds. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're always aware of it now. Like everybody kind of knows what mental health is. I've got my friends asking me about mental health now. Same. Um, even if it's not for themselves personally, like they're aware of it. Like yeah. I know if my boy is, child was having a problem now they're probably gonna hit me up and be like dead like, listen yeah, you know about this what's same. going on so it's not like those things no are getting gonna, ignored yeah. yeah not everybody can be the person that's gonna take their child to therapy or that's gonna know everything about everything but just but having least, the knowledge exactly, and the understanding you know that, exactly, yeah. and not thinking oh, okay just pray just about it, it under the car. or exactly, just listen yeah. or you just don't speak about it because that's not what we do exactly, in our yeah. family we don't speak about those things that's a lot of like and again i would say as well coming from caribbean cultures it's no one's business yeah yeah, yeah. you don't I, th- I think we're, we're we're past that now. Yeah, it's same. Here, but definitely our generation. I think our generation has done an amazing job of taking, taking all of that out and coming in with coming the new with and the normalizing, like we said, the therapy, the talking, yeah, yeah, all of those things. Even things that if your friend or someone you love is getting sectioned or having that situation of actually going necessarily into psychiatric hospital and having certain diagnoses and stuff, um, is important. Yeah, so, hundred yeah. percent. I I I think. So we're, I think we're going to be okay, like, and our children will be okay. We still need to be mindful that we have people that are always going to be first generation over here. So we still got Africa still a place, the Caribbean <laughs> still a place. They're still going to have them themes over there. We need to now infiltrate their mentality with our new evolved mentality about yeah. mental health, basically. So we need to, some of us kind of need to go over there and teach them about these things. So it's yeah. like their mindset is the same as ours. So the yeah. people coming over are not restarting. Are not, yeah, yeah. So I agree. We need to kind of do some stuff like that where it's like we're helping the people that are back home. We can't forget about back home just because we're here and we're going to be all right because we're always going to have people back mm-hmm. home, basically. I agree. Perfect. Well, Dej, that is the end of our episode. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. You gave so much insight and gave a little bit of jolliness to it as well. Thank if you got any last words for any aspiring black psychologist, black psychiatrist, or any just anything for the black community? Stay in the field. I would say that. Don't let anybody take you away from the field. There is money to be made in this field. <laughs> if you need to know how you can make money, I will let you know. There's ways to diversify. Um, follow the BIP network because, like, again, it's just sick to be around black people doing the same thing as you and it was, it's going to take your career to the next level if you want to be a mentor if you want to want a mentor it'll be amazing perfect thank you so thank you guys for listening to the second episode of light space and i will be back with my third episode in two weeks again please follow us on instagram which is light underscore space underscore and on twitter i've done the twitter page so it's light space underscore mh obviously for mental health so follow us on twitter where you'll get the tips and you'll get the notifications for the podcast and again thank you for listening thank you guys